Good morning. Today I have a fantastic guest. Uh, she has been the general counsel. She served on corporate boards. Today uh, we have a fantastic guest who've been able to do this and do it well and do it with grace. And so we're going to have this conversation. So Marla, welcome to the show. Please Thank introduce you. yourself. <laughs> Thank you, Olga. Hello, everybody. Happy to be with you today. My name is Marla Persky. I'm located in Connecticut, so I'm on the East Coast. Uh, I'm happy to speak with you all today about my journey from general counsel to board of directors. And it has been a bit of a journey moving from serving a board as corporate secretary to actually being on boards. I would love for you to share about your career as an in-house lawyer and general counsel um, so that folks have a context uh, for where you came from before you joined uh, corporate boards? So I've spent over 30 years in the pharmaceutical and medical device and biologics industry. As with most in-house attorneys, I started in a law firm in the days when there were boutique law firms. And then I moved in-house to Baxter International, which is a Fortune 100 company. And I started out as a litigator for them. And I spent almost 20 years with Baxter. And Baxter was a great breeding ground for my career because I morphed between law and business. So sometimes I had business roles and sometimes I had legal roles. And I left Baxter in uh, 2005 to join Beringer Ingelheim as its general counsel. And Beringer Ingelheim is the largest privately owned pharmaceutical company in the world. So I went from a public company to a private company. And that was very interesting because I got to learn the nuances of doing business when you didn't have to ma uh, manage yourself on a quarter by quarter basis because <laughs> you're not dealing with shareholders. Uh, or public shareholders, I should say. Uh, I retired happily from the practice of law in 2013. And I've been on boards for 15 years now. And both public company boards, private company boards, and nonprofit boards. So let's talk about the boards you serve on. Um, what boards are you on today uh, or have been in the past? Um, and uh, we'll, I guess at some point we'll talk about how those opportunities came about. My public company board is Xeris Pharmaceuticals and it is a NASDAQ traded company um, headquartered in Chicago, Illinois. I am also on the board of Revolo Biotherapeutics, which is a VC backed company and I'm on the board of Yagia Group, which is an angel-funded company. And those are my for-profit boards. I'm also on three nonprofit boards. I'm on the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society board, where I serve as audit committee chair. I'm on the board of World Neighbors, which is an NGO. And I'm on the board of Primary Stages, which is an off-Broadway theater company, which is another passion of mine besides business. Uh, when I'm on boards, I tend to be chair of the NomGov committee, which I am of, of, um, 
uh, Xeris Pharmaceuticals, and also on the audit committee, which I have always been on audit committees, even though I'm not a financial expert. But audit committees do more than just oversee finances. When and I guess why uh, did the idea, uh, you know, you've certainly accomplished quite a few things as general counsel, uh, had a very satisfying career, uh, maybe at some point happily retired. Um, but when and how did you get to a place that uh, the board service career could be your next stage? Wh what, what was the event or what was the aha moment that inspired you to do that? Well, I'm not so sure, Olga, that there was ever an aha moment because while I was still at Baxter, I got my first board role for a public company, which uh, was acquired by another company and we added a great deal of shareholder value. Um, and I got on that board because a friend of mine was leaving the board and recommended me to the chair and the CEO to replace her on that board. Obviously, I had worked with boards. I had reported to Baxter's board on a whole host of different topics. I'd been corporate secretary and assistant corporate secretary. So I knew about working with boards. But honestly, Olga, I didn't really think about getting on a board until my friend suggested me as her successor for the board, it was SciTech Therapeutics. It dawned on me that this was a wonderful adjunct to what I was already doing, because in the broad scheme of things, I like business better than I like law. And I just didn't know enough when I was young to get an MBA as opposed to a JD. So working in-house was great because to be a successful in-house lawyer, you have to be a business person with a legal degree. Well, to be a board member, they want a business person. They want a critical thinker. They want all the things that lawyers actually are without having to practice law or without having to fill a management role. So it evolved that way. So um, when that opportunity presented yourself and, and, um, and you know, you went through the process. How, how was the process actually of getting on your first corporate board? The general counsel and corporate secretary of SciTech called me and said that my friend had recommended me and uh, would I be interested in talking with the CEO and the lead director? And I said, yes. And they put me on an airplane. I flew out and I spent several hours talking with them. And I knew enough because of my interactions with the board that they were looking for somebody to add strength and, and experience to the board without interviewing as if you were interviewing for a general counsel job. They had a general counsel. They didn't want me for a general counsel. They wanted me for my investigative background, obviously my industry knowledge, my uh, my knowledge about expanding businesses through M&A internationally. So there were experiences that I had that was of interest to them. The fact that I was a lawyer and I was, you know, a lawyer at a big public company was, an, was a bonus, 
but they weren't asking me to provide legal services. They were asking me for my business background. And if that's one thing I can stress to your audience is that people are not going to ask you to be on a board because you're a lawyer. They will be asking you because of your industry experience and your skill set. Critical thinking, the ability to ask questions, the, um, the, the ability to challenge conventional wisdom and, and help d different sides come to an agreement. Those are things lawyers know how to do. We've all been trained on doing that. And that's important for board service. Oh, I like it. This is gold. Um, and thank you for emphasizing it, Marla. Uh, the board service is really that opportunity to add value, right? And, uh, and, and, and I, I, in your case, there is very much a trend of biopharma um, industry experience and the wealth of information in various contexts that you bring. Um, and when I talk to folks about bursars, that's definitely something I tell them to tap into that, that industry experience. That is something that is absolutely gold. I am curious because at the time you were uh, at Baxter, which is, as you said, Fortune uh, 100 company, it is a public company. Uh, was there any reservations or how do you talk to your CEO? Uh, because depending, you know, who your CEO is and what company you deal with, there are sometimes trepidations. You know, sometimes it may relate to conflict. Sometimes it may relate to what it looks and looks like. Sometimes it may relate to concerns about where you spend your time and energy. Right. Um, so curious, how was that for you, and how did you navigate the situation internally? Because you, you know, at the time, you you plan to have to be gainfully employed as well full time. So how did you have that conversation with the CEO or the manager, and, uh, and and were they supportive, and how did you get them there? Right. Well, I'm going to roll it back a little bit, Olga, because I would never have wasted uh, Cytec's CEO and lead director's time if I didn't know that Baxter's CEO was already Ooh. supportive of members of his team serving on boards. Because the worst thing is, is that you meet these people, you get excited about the opportunity, they get excited about you, they offer you to join a board, and then the company you work for says, no, I'm sorry, you're not allowed to. That's, I mean, that, that, you that, need to know a, ahead of time. That's a you have to know that ahead of time. And in fact, remember how I said for SciTech, a friend of mine was cycling off the board and she recommended me? She was cycling off the board because she was changing jobs and she was going to a company that had a policy that their C-suite executives could not serve on other for-profit company boards. So that's why she was cycling off the board. I already knew that Baxter supported its people being on boards. Of course, you had to get approval for the individual board because the last thing Baxter wanted is one of their C-suite people to go to be on the board of a competitor, right? So um, I knew that the concept of board service was going to be fine. So it's once I was offered the opportunity to join SciTech's board that I then went to the CEO and there was a process. You fill out a form, 
the name of the company, the background of the company, what aspect of the industry, because it was all healthcare industry, so same industry, but not in a competitive segment of Baxter's industry. And then I sat down and I talked with the CEO and it was approved. It was actually very easy. When you're with a large company, typically they already have processes in place for getting approval. And in fact, as general counsel, I make sure that my companies would have a process for people to apply for board service elsewhere because you don't want it to be random. Do I like the person? Do I not like the person? There, You have to treat people similarly and, you, and employees need to know what the process is. So I just followed the process and it was pretty easy. That's great. That's great that they were supportive. You, you alluded to one of the many reasons to serve on the corporate board in, in your case is because you actually like the business, uh, uh, being the business professional. Law, law is great and law is a part of that business, but um, it is a part. Uh, what are other reasons why um, general counsel in-house professionals should consider board service? Well, you have to have you have to have a passion for business. I find it's easier, it's more fun to serve on a board if you really care about the industry. I personally have never wanted to be on a board for a bit an industry that I didn't feel a, a level of expertise in. Not everybody shares my view. There are some people, for instance, let's say that I was an expert in supply chain management. It does, and I am agnostic as to what industry, but all industry has supply chain issues. So why would somebody want me on their board? Because supply chain is of critical importance to the business and I can bring that knowledge and expertise to the board, but I don't care what the industry is. I personally am not that person. I'm a lawyer. I have M&A experience. I have regulated industry experience. I have business integration experience, geographic ex, um, expansion experience, which could apply to a whole host of regulated industries. Could be finance. It could be telecommunications. I focus my efforts on healthcare, biotech, pharma, diagnostics, and the like but other people can be more agnostic. You need to know your value proposition because otherwise, why do they want you on the board if you can't articulate your value proposition? You bring an important point. What is value proposition and how? what is the process of articulating it or how do you articulate it? How did you articulate it? Well, you think this is what the approach I take. Why would a board be better with me on it than having somebody else on it. What is what is my unique constellation of strengths and experience to bring to the table? I already started articulating mine. Well, number one, I know public company um, activities. I was a corporate secretary. I understand what it's like to operate in a public company, but I also understand what it's like to operate in a private company. And that's a value in the VC world and the angel funding world. 
Um, I know how to help a company go from private to public. I know the industry. I know company growth and expansion and integrating new businesses and services. So based upon that experience, that's what I articulate my value proposition. Yeah, no, th this is beautiful. Thank, thank you for sharing. And that's a really good example. I like how you tie it to skills, experiences, and industry. This was, this was done very well. Um, and I, I hope folks got and really a chance to listen to it because this is a very good way to articulate what value you, br you bring, why the uh, given uh, company and its board are incomplete without it, and, and why is it so special that cannot be found elsewhere or at least not easily. And Marla just did a, a, a very good job um, at articulating that. Um, you know, you you mentioned uh, that the reason you are, you know, you do have a legal background. Uh, it may or may not be useful. It may be useful in the highly regulated industries. You're not there as a lawyer. You're not practicing law. And that's one of the things you had to convey in your in your every interview, especially your very first one. Um, you know, I talk to a lot of in-house lawyers, a lot of lawyers who try to get on corporate boards and they tell me nobody wants to have a lawyer on board. Um, the funny thing, I talk to marketing professionals and sales professionals and other professionals, they tell me the same thing. Um, so I actually don't think that lawyers uniquely are not wanted on boards. I think, you know, I think it's just generally hard to get a board position, especially at a public company. Um, but uh, how do you feel about, you know, lawyers on board? Um, is, is there a sort of a specific bias? If there is, how do you overcome it? If that's not a bias, uh, if it's all in your head, so to speak, how do you overcome that? Maybe it's both. Right. So I think most biases are in our own heads. In the lawyer's case, we have a certain reputation. Lawyers are risk adverse. Lawyers say no a lot. Well, risk adverse and saying no a lot is not a good profile for a board member. So again, it, you need to know yourself. If you are risk adverse, industry, business is a risk. It is a big constellation of risk. And it's all about balancing risk and reward. Many lawyers are unable to do that balance because they view their job as risk, risk um, mitigation and risk elimination. That's going to make it very hard to serve on a board. You really need to have a balanced approach and understand the risk reward quotients. Large risk might make sense if the reward is high. Large risk with low reward is a stupid business decision. It's not illegal, but it's stupid. So as a lawyer, you have to get over the risk aversion to be able to embrace risk and understand it and harness it for competitive advantage. And if you can speak that way and think that way, then the fact that you're a lawyer is, is not going to be an impediment to getting on the board. Because again, as I said earlier, Olga, Many of the skills that lawyers have intrinsically in order to be successful as lawyers will make you a very good board member. 
listening closely, asking questions, not necessarily taking sides, being able to see both sides, weigh both sides. Um, so it's the fact that you're a lawyer is not an impediment. The fact that you may think of yourself as I'm here to prevent risk and, and avoid risk at all costs will be an impediment to both getting on the board and serving on the board. This is such a great point. I'm going to pause for a second to make sure that sinks in. I love the way you answer it. Um, I, I do agree with you that a lot of limitations are self-defined and are in our head. Um, the way you think about it is, is, is very interesting. And, and uh, do you have any kind of um, advice on how maybe you confront those um, uh, views and uh, perhaps work on yourself uh, to, to get to a place of readiness? Well, first, you got to get to know business and you have to know economics. Uh, you could be the world's expert on constitutional law. That's probably not going to help you get a board position, right? You need to be able to understand a balance sheet. You have to understand economic drivers. You don't have to be able to, you don't have to be a CFO. You don't have to be um, a CPA. You have to be able to understand financials, however, and ask questions and see whether something looks, you know, unusual so that you can ask a question. Um, so understanding finance is critical. Understanding business, what it takes to operate a business, not what it takes to operate a legal department, what it takes to operate a business and how you use enabling functions like law, like finance, like IT, like HR, as tools to drive business forward. I want to shift gears just a little bit. Uh, we're coming toward the end. I have a couple of questions. Uh, there's somewhat specific. One is, um, you know, you serve on both public and private and nonprofit boards. Um, I uh, specifically want to focus on that distinction between private and public. And, and I guess, which one do you enjoy the most and why? And, and how do you think about those differences? So uh, again, I'm agnostic about public and private. What I really enjoy are more early stage companies. So I, I've worked as an employee. I've been employed by big, huge, multinational, multi-billion dollar companies. That's who always employed me. As a board member, I actually prefer smaller, earlier stage companies. I find it exciting. Uh, one of the boards I'm on, Rovolo, does not have a marketed product yet. We're still in clinical trials. We're working towards the time when we will get regulatory approval to sell products. That's exciting to me. So I know the, the stage of life of a company whose boards I'm more interested in serving on and whether they've already done an IPO and they've gone public or whether they are pre-IPO, that doesn't matter so much to me. I tend to agree. There is quite a lot of excitement at every level 
uh, whether right. you are an individual contributor, a manager, an executive, a board member, all of the above, some of the above. Uh, it's I, I do think that high growth companies are, are, are great opportunities all around for all professionals. Um, I guess maybe practically speaking, there is a big difference between being a board member of a public company uh, that has sort of more um, set in stone and somewhat ceremonial aspects and a governance aspect and uh, with a, a smaller company or private company or startup, um, there may be different variations and more flexibility. Uh, how do you think about those differences, uh, practically speaking, as a board member? Um, how do you think about your role differently in the context of public company versus a private company? So the private company boards on which I serve are companies who one day expect to go public, either through acquisition by a SPAC or through an IPO or an LBO or something like that. And so the difference is, is that if you're on a public company board, there already is the governance in place because you need to have it because you're public. If you are not a public company, but you are working for with a company that hopes to go public, you're creating that and you're helping them get to the point where on the day after that gavel is banged, they have everything in place. So you're building as opposed to um, sitting in it. So I think that a brand new startup, you know, working out of somebody's garage where they want a board member who's going to do more sweat equity than pure board service is a different animal than the, um, than the horses that I ride, right? The companies that I serve on the board of are hoping to be public companies at some point in time. Very interesting. Yeah, I well, it, it is absolutely true, and, and thank you for diving into that point. That private companies, there, it's 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 what I call a very rich, diverse middle. There's quite a lot of opportunities. Uh, uh, different private companies have different aspirations, and making sure that that's a good fit is is probably even more important in the world of private companies because the diversity and options are exciting and and and, and vast. And making sure that they're right for you as a person are definitely an important step to do. We're coming to the end. Marla, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. And share, thank you for sharing your experiences. Um, I guess as a parting thought, um, to those in-house leaders, those general counsel who want to follow your footsteps and want to uh, maybe supplement uh, their legal career uh, today, and perhaps over time transition to full-time board service, or maybe not, maybe stay in this um, kind of uh, portfolio career, as people call it. Um, what, what, is your, what is your advice? Uh, what is the one or two things that you think they should definitely focus on and consider on their board service journey? Number one, you need to get financial um, knowledge. You don't have to be a finance expert, but you have to understand finance because think about it. You cannot protect the shareholders' interests if you don't understand the financial underpinnings of the business. So you have to understand finance. Number two, 
you have to understand business, understanding how one part of an organization fits with another part of an organization. It's not just a legal focus, it's a business entity focus. And that, and I believe a satisfactory career is one of zigs and zags. So don't be afraid to take lateral moves so that you learn more and you experience more because you're a constellation of your experiences. I love that. The constellation of your experiences. I um, I, I may borrow that phrase, Marla. All um, yours, I, my <laughs> thank you for giving me a license. I appreciate it. Um, this uh, is such an insightful conversation. I, I, you know, I, I've talked to you a couple of times now. Every time I talk to you, I, um, I'm, I, I, I love the way you think and I love the way you think about your general counsel role, uh, your uh, board director role. And really, I, what I really admire is how intentionally you manage your career. Uh, that, is, that is very inspiring. I, I haven't really seen that much in the world among former general counsel. Um, I, I thank you for sharing how you do it. Uh, this has been a great conversation and I'm sure the audience enjoyed it as well. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Olga, for talking with me and inviting me to join you on this. And I hope your the audience has found this interesting and helpful and I'm always willing to talk to people and and brainstorm about the pros and cons of board service and whether it's right for you. You can find me on LinkedIn. That's great. And, and I know you mentor quite a few people. Um, I, I, I've, I've, I've met, one of the ways I found you is a lot of people who you mentored have mentioned your name. So I, I thought I, I, I need to connect with you. So thank you so much, Marla. Uh, this is very exciting. And, and, and thank you for sharing your, your, your journey and your wisdom and your insights. Thank you so much for joining for this conversation. Bye, everyone.